Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. Hey, I'm excited to announce this is the 350th episode of the podcast. And what we're going to do is give you the highlights from this past year. We spent hours scouring the archives and picking out those nuggets we thought would be the most awesome. So we're going to have some highlights here from Jillian Hellman. She's CEO of Realty Mogul about democratizing real estate. We got to have raising capital on here and keeping investors coming back with Vina Jetty. There was no one better than raising money than Vina. Dean Brees has a story from going from the X Games champion to multifamily investor. That was a good one. Jerome Maldonado, he revealed the one secret of becoming a successful investor. That was a good one. And stick around for the end for our special bonus episode that you don't want to miss. So before we get into it here, I want to do a shout out to Carrie Straub, who gave us a review on iTunes for this podcast. She says, Michael Blanc lays out the process step by step, including what to say and when. Hearing how he breaks down the steps of getting into the game has been fascinating because he addressed all my self-doubting objections one by one. That was on Amazon, not iTunes. Sorry, that was for Yellow Book. We're not that step by step here, though we try as well. But that was for the Yellow Book on Amazon. Check that out if you have not done Done so already. Also, going to give a shout out to our student success, Jonathan Nichols. He's an investor in the Dallas area and he was a mentor student of one of ours, Brad Tasha, and a member of our Dealmaker Mastermind. And in June, he closed an 100 unit deal in Tulsa as a general partner and recently joined our team as one of the newest mentors in our mentorship program, which is really cool. We have over all of our mentors who are helping other people do their first deal are full-time syndicators. And half of the team now are actually previous mentoring students who have joined a mentoring program, done a deal, become financially free, quit their job, got a little bored and wanted to help other people. And Jonathan is the newest member of that. That is super awesome. If you want to find out more about our mentoring program, go to themichaelblanc.com forward slash mentor and set up a call. Have a call, a conversation with us, see if mentoring is right for you. If you want to accelerate your success and quit your job faster, avoid some of the bigger mistakes, this might be the program for you. Check us out at themichaelblanc.com forward slash mentor. So let's kick it off with number one highlight of 2022, Jerome Maldonado. He's also a business partner of Ty Lopez, who owns dozens of different businesses. And so Jerome really talks about how he got to start in direct sales, such an important skill, and built it to a six-figure network marketing business while he was still in his mid-20s. He leveraged those skills into an eight-figure empire focused on land development and then, of course, multifamily investing, which is why he ended up on the show And he joined us for episode 301 to offer advice on how to stick with something when it gets hard. Listen in for this one secret to being a successful real estate investor. People get off focus. There's something in life that just shifts them, whether it's an ailment, whether it's a family member that passes away, a divorce. God only knows, right? All those variables. It's those who can stay mentally stable and consistent over the course of time that win, even if you suck at it. And my, a mentor of my tournament goes, Jerome, even if you're horrible at what, if what we're doing here in direct sales, if you can just get through and can stay consistent doing it, you'll succeed even if it's an accident. Number two highlight of the year is Jillian Hellman, episode 326. She's the CEO of Realty Mogul. And she was inspired to start leading the crowdfunding real estate platform for private real, real estate deals. And she was on episode three. 
26, talk about how she's making the process of diversifying your portfolio much more accessible to the average investor with minimum investment as little as $500. Now, listen to what she says when she explains how she built the Realty Mogul platform to democratize real estate. Sure, sure. So we're an online platform for real estate investing. On one side of the platform, we've got real estate companies. And on the other side of the platform, we have investors who are looking to diversify into real estate. So those investors can come to our platform and browse a a whole variety of real estate investments from multifamily, office, retail, industrial, self-storage, cold storage, mobile home parks, you know, kind of the list goes on. And real estate companies can use our technology and use our administrative services to access capital for their offerings. So, you know, we've built this marketplace where investors can be connected to real estate deals, real estate companies can be connected to investors. And really the mission is to expand access to real estate investing. You know, I think it's a really critical part of a diversified portfolio. You know, a lot of folks in the country, you know, have really easy access to stocks and bonds, but when it comes to private real estate investing, they sort of don't know where to go, right? And so we really wanted to solve that problem and make real estate much more accessible. All right, clip number three from the archive from 22 of the best podcast episodes and segments is from Dan Brees, episode 315. He was a professional snowboarder for over a decade, participating in the X Games four times and winning gold twice. But he noticed that the older pros were suffering as their careers wound down and they were struggling financially as many professional athletes do, as well as in their personal lives as a result of it. And in episode 315, Dan talks about what inspired his transition from professional snowboarder to multifamily investor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, midway through my career, a lot of my childhood heroes became my friends. I lived in Salt Lake City and I met all these other pro snowboarders who were much further along in their career and much bigger names than me. And as they were getting older, their careers started to wind down. And as I saw their careers winding down, it was just brutal. You know, I mean, it was scary losing their homes or, you know, divorce, drug addiction. I mean, it was, it wasn't pretty, you know, you don't see that stuff behind the scenes. That stuff's all, you know, he, he's no longer on the team. So once I started seeing that stuff, I just, I could tell the current investments I was making with my financial advisor talking about retiring at 65. I was like, that's not going to work. You know, I don't have Tom 65 and my income's good now. What can I do with the money I'm making to make it work hard for me and start paying me a quarterly payment or a monthly payment? All right. Next, we have a guest who has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs in 30 plus countries. And he's worked very closely with best-selling author and thought leader, Simon Sinek. Our guest I'm talking about is Lee Prozenjack. He's an, really an artist at heart. In addition to consulting and real estate investing, Lee is also the co-founder of Cherry Creek Dance. He's on a mission to help others discover their own inspiration, love, and greatness. He joined us in episode 314, chatting with our co-host, Garrett. And in this particular clip, share, he, Lee shares how he checks to make sure he's living his purpose every day. I, I kid you not, every day I, I go to this. I call it my pillow test. And every night as I go to lay my head on the pillow, I think to myself, did I live my purpose today or not? And if I did, I go to sleep. And if I didn't, no matter how tired, no matter what has happened today, no matter what I have coming up tomorrow, I do something to go live that purpose. I go have to go create some sort of art in my case. And so I will get my butt out of bed and go do something that's artful to me before I can go to sleep. All right, in this next highlight, our friend and fellow dealmaker, live speaker, Vina Jetty, shares about how she's been able to raise so much capital at a high level and scale her multifamily syndication business. 
If you're unfamiliar with Vina, she's a founding partner of Viva Funds. It's a unique multifamily firm that specializes in curating conservative opportunities for real estate investors like most of us do. Now, she has built an impressive portfolio of 3,000 plus units worth over just nearly a billion dollars. And in this clip, shares her expertise as a frequent speaker, panelist, and guest on various media outlets and how she's been so successful at scaling her syndication business. So with that being said, I think what there's a couple of things that have been really important and really instrumental to us having the success that we've had with raising capital. One is we are very investor focused. Every single decision we make in the portfolio, whether it's updating the website to making monthly distributions to sending out content. Every single decision is made with how does this affect the investor and how does it affect their experience with us? So we really strive for that white glove experience. Secondly, we pay a lot of attention to our retention rate of investors. So I want to see investors that are really here to build a long-term relationship with us. They reinvest with us about 80 to 90% at any given time of my investors are in two or more deals with me. And that's very important to me. And then, of course, I know we're doing something right when I start seeing the referrals of friends and family coming into our investor database. So Sterling Griffin was homeless when he made the decision to, to surround himself with the people he wanted to become. In just two years, he went from living in his Hana Accord to making almost $1.7 million. In this episode, it was 334, Sterling shares an, an epic story of how he added value to high-profile people who in turn became instrumental to his rapid growth and success. If you're familiar with LA or you, the listeners, familiar with this, and if you remember Vine, there was an app called, called Vine many years ago, and a lot of young teenagers became very well known through making these comedic videos on there. And they all, at that time, they congregated. This is back in 2016, end of 2015 and 2016. They all lived there. They're all gone now. But at the time, they all kind of like met up in LA and lived there. And I would go by there literally every day, just like trying to intersect with some of them so that I could befriend them and like do something to help them. So one day, cutting this story a little bit shorter, I ended up meeting a guy named Logan Paul, who's now a very big internet personality, boxed Floyd Mayweather last year. And his brother, Jake Paul, is also a, becoming a well-known oh, boxer. Yeah. And I befriended both of them. Like Jake, I actually coached one-on-one -on -one for multiple years when I was still living in LA. Like wow. he became somebody very close to me. I was not as close with Logan, but Jake, I was for a long time. Anyway, so Logan, when I shared that with Lewis, Lewis was like, oh yeah, I'd love to have Logan on my show. I asked Logan, would you like to? They're both from Ohio. You guys will have a lot in common. It'll be fun. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So I made that connection. Logan went on to be on the show. You can actually see the interview. It came out in, I think, mid-2016 or something on the School of Greatness. That's Lewis House show, if you're not familiar. Yeah. And, and ever since that happened, Lewis was like, hey, do you want to come work out? Do you want to come hang out at my place here in Hollywood? Because he lived in West Hollywood. And I was like, let me check my schedule. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll be there. So, so after a couple of times of being there and training him, I offered, hey, like, let me train you. I just want to add some value to you. I trained him a couple of times. And then one day I said, hey, can I, you know, would you mind recording a testimonial? Like it would just make such a big difference for where I am in my career if you could do this. And he was like, of course, most, Lewis is the most generous guy for anyone that knows him. He's just so kind and caring. And, and anyway, so he did it. I, I posted it, of course. And I, it just made my business so much easier because now I'm, I'm not Lewis Howe's trainer, but I have trained Lewis Howe's a few different times. 
and have his name behind me, it supported me. And literally the second half of that year, after I got that testimonial, I started making 40 grand a month. I went from making 16 or 18 grand a month to 40. And I'm not saying that was the only thing that changed it, but it didn't hurt. And so I think that many times adding value to somebody is finding them a resource. It's it's making a connection. Maybe it's a new hire for their business. Maybe it's an agency that they can work with. Maybe it's them being on a show. Maybe it's somebody for being on their show. Like people always want something. And all you have to do is figure out what it is and then be creative. A lot of times it's just hustle and creativity that's needed. It's not even money that can solve that problem for them. So we had another elite athlete on the podcast this year. Lily Thompson won a national basketball championship in college and played with the Harlem Globetrotters when COVID hit. And so she was stuck at home like so many of us with nothing to do. And so she learned about real estate investing, wholesaling specifically, and tried to try it and document her process in real time on social media. And now she's a rising star in the real estate space with over 175,000 subscribers on YouTube. In this clip from episode 320, Lily explains how she benefits from sharing her real estate journey on YouTube and how it attracts private investors to her deals. And you may be able to borrow some ideas from this particular clip. Yeah, so the, the YouTube channel actually didn't start out necessarily as real estate. It was kind of like, what is this Harlem Globetrotter thing, transitioning from college basketball to pro? I was actually playing golf and wondering, thinking about going and trying to play some professional golf. I, I grew up playing a bunch of different sports. We had just won a national championship my last year in college. So there were a lot of cool things that were kind of going on in my life that I was just kind of talking about. And then the pandemic hit. And so I'm at home, you know, might as well, you know, continue to make some videos. And what I found is like three things. You can educate people through social media and through creating content, which is something I know you guys do a great job of, whether that's YouTube, podcasts, blogs, Instagram posts. But then you can also like connect with people. And I was able to connect with other beginners who maybe were just a couple of deals ahead of me that I would never have connected with. They would have never known I was doing this if I just kept it to myself. And then third is it helped me also find people who are leagues and leagues above me who want to get in out of doing it themselves and get into some private investing and some private lending and those connections just by showing people, hey, I'm a hard worker. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've learned through the YouTube channel. I've had so many people who want to get involved that way reach out. What does the future of real estate look like? Well, if you ask our next guest, Ryan Panetta, it's digital. It's He sees the potential to build multiple billion dollar businesses that solve many of the problems we face on the blockchain. This is not crypto per se, it's using technology called blockchain. So in this clip, Ryan joins Garrett, this is episode 325, to discuss how he decided to go all in on the blockchain and why it will be a big deal in the future of real estate. Yeah, no, so I got started when you did. When Bitcoin was 20K, that was when I bought and then it tanked. And so... I was like, yeah, crypto sucks. Like it's a scam. And, <laughs> you know, sure enough in 2020 with the government printing all the money and everything, I'm like, dude, I think crypto is like, there's something to this. And the more I learned about Bitcoin, the more I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be a thing for sure. Like there's no doubt about it with how the government cannot control how much money they print everything that there is. But then, you know, I started learning about just the blockchain as a whole. And, you know, you start seeing these things with NFTs and you're like, Okay, what what's going on here with these JPEGs? And you know, I didn't understand it. I'm just like, okay, that's kind of cool. Like, I get it. You know, it's art, whatever. But then you start seeing them come out with utility, and you see guys like Gary V talking about it, and like seeing him attach it to his conference. And you know, and then I see other ones producing 
all these things. I'm like, dude, this is the future of business. Like I get it. And, you know, you see Gary V talk about things long enough where he's been pretty accurate on everything. He's like, get on TikTok, get on YouTube, like stuff matters. And him yelling at the top of his lungs about NFTs. And I'm like, okay, I need to research more. And the more I researched, the more I realized that ironically, real estate is the biggest industry that is going to be impacted by the blockchain. And the moment I understood that, I was like, I'm all in. And I was like, I, I have to pursue this. Like these are going to be my next businesses because literally, I mean, real estate now today is a multi-trillion dollar industry. And you can imagine that as that industry shifts towards all these new innovations with the blockchain, that's going to be a multi-trillion dollar industry, whoever capitalizes on it. And so, you know, I started to really talk about it. So at our Dealmaker Live event in June, we have it every summer, we put together a powerhouse panel of women entrepreneurs to share their experiences and encourage other aspiring investors. In episode 327, we shared the replay of this women in real estate panel discussion, and we had on there Savannah Arroyo, Julie Hawley, Vina Jetty, Liz Faircloth, and they discussed some of the biggest obstacles they face as entrepreneurs and what they did to overcome those challenges and become successful multifamily investors. All of them. <laughs> Pick the biggest one uh, and the biggest learning you got from it. Yeah. So I think for me, right, as an entrepreneur, it's been really tough to give up control. I was actually just talking to Jonathan about this out in the hallway. I'm kind of a control freak when it comes to everything in my business. And so as you scale and as you grow, so our portfolio as of the end of this month, it'll have transacted in over $800 million in assets. And you cannot get to that scale without trusting other people and bringing on other team members and other people to fill in those gaps. So in Liz's presentation earlier, she said, do the things you're really, really, really great at and leave everything else to someone else. And so I think actually implementing that, knowing you need to do it is one thing, but implementing it is another thing. And as I've been able to transition roles and responsibilities to other people and empower them and trust them to make those decisions, it's gotten better for me and it's given me the ability to scale and really focus on the strategy side, which is important when you're trying to build a business. Yeah. That's a great one. You know, I was a dabbler. They will hold you back. And so I, my commitment level was I was interested. And Michael was talking about that this morning. I had a lot of interests and I didn't zero in on any specific interest. And it cost me a lot of time. I didn't trust other people. I thought I had to do it all myself. And just by nature of not believing in myself. And so if you're a fellow dabbler out there, then I'd encourage you. One of the things that helped me out was I just learned like, okay, zero in, find clarity, take time. It's okay to step away to gain that clarity and to say, who am I and what do I actually believe in? Like, And then that was more about personal development than anything, because especially when, you know, depending on what your family dynamics are, I had a great family, but I was the little kid sister. <laughs> I have three older brothers. And just like rewiring some of my thinking and saying, you know what, anything is possible. You can do it. And to chase that passion and that fire that's within you, just like Liz was talking about, you know, like what is that core within you? And, and so really, I would say over the last three years, everything has ignited. It's been 
in a slow path to get there. But the more I have focused on, you know, just being clear and then pursuing more of what makes me happy and fulfilled it just snowballs after that. And so I want to encourage you, like you're, you're not alone if you're on the fence, but the moment you actually make a commitment, that's when everything shifts, like everything. And I've watched it with other people. Like you make that commitment, your life will change. And I mean, Hey, we com- we commit to a lot of different things wholeheartedly, except most often we're not committing to ourselves and it's a scary commitment to make and to believe. So I had to learn to believe in myself and overcome a lot of thinking that was clouding me. And the more you, you know, rid yourself of that stinky thinking, you can really gain traction. I would say my biggest thing was the work-life balance, especially as I transitioned out of my full-time job. Before, when I was working full-time, I'd be working full-time at the hospital, come home from work, do dinner, bath time, bedtime with my kids. And then from eight o'clock till midnight, every night, my husband and I were working on this business, working on real estate. And so when I actually got to leave my full-time job and do real estate full-time, I was still working all day, doing dinner, bath time, bedtime with my kids and working every night from eight to 12. And my husband's like, isn't this why you quit your job so you don't have to do this? Mm. And it was a huge shift of like, okay, the reason I am investing in real estate is to have this time freedom. And it's a constant reminder to me because as an entrepreneur, you want to do all the things all the time. And the to-do list is never ending. And so for me, it's intentionally shutting it off to have that balance. The lack of affordable housing really is a big problem in the U.S. And it's also what's driving the the demand for affordable housing. And most developers shy away from these projects because it's hard to make money. It's it's just tough to build affordable housing given what the construction costs are right now. But in our guest on episode 333, Alvin, you know, nicknamed Hope Johnson, found a way to innovate in the affordable housing space. And to do good while doing good is what he calls it. And this is really interesting, very resourceful entrepreneur in the space. He's the president of Hope Housing Foundation, and it's a nonprofit position to be one of the country's most effective affordable workforce housing organization. And in this particular episode here, this clip, he shares how he's able to make a difference and improve communities while making it a win-win for investors and partners. Being in the mortgage business, one of the things that made me really successful, Michael, was I love to educate my clients. So I didn't have clients taking out two-year arms that were going to adjust when they weren't escrowing their property taxes and all that stuff, waiting on the implosion to happen. So I took that same education piece and wanted to do something really good. I was making a lot of money, and I was literally looking for a way that I could do this and only pay my fair share of taxes. So one way of accomplishing three things was to have a nonprofit that did all of that, acquired the homes, that did the renovations of the homes, that sold the homes, that made the money. And I would just get a salary from that. And I got to accomplish everything that I wanted through the nonprofit and eat. And so what Steve showed me was that, Alvin, we do the exact same thing. Our nonprofit owns 16,000 units of apartments. You can do it with one house that you're going to go get for a dollar from HUD, and then you're going to have to do this and blah, 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 and all this work for a $50,000 house when you can go buy a two or 300-unit apartment complex, provide affordable housing to people that really need it, and you can do good while doing good. And so that's what we've been able to do, put together win-win situations with our investors, our partners, with city governments, with HUD. We've turned some around some really, really bad neighborhoods in Dallas and over in Louisiana. 
And now we've transitioned from having housing where people had to live, Michael, because the only reason they lived there was that was all they had to a place where people get to live now, because now it's a place where they have to apply to live here and more people want to live here. All right. Final clip is a bonus clip. It's episode 343 with my co-host and partner at Nighthawk Equity, Garrett Lynch. And he's got some interesting stories, right? And so we sat him down. You know, it's almost like having a beer. It's like story time with Uncle Garrett. And he shares some interesting stories about when he owned Class D properties in one of the roughest neighborhoods in Chicago. Now, we at Nighthawk don't own Class D, but he did in a previous partnership. And of course, it makes for interesting conversation. So, you know, he talks about how these Class D are the rough. You know, you can make some good money in, in them, but you're dealing with gang violence, poverty, drug abuse. And, you know, it does give you as an owner operator, if you're in that kind of street smarts to keep to themselves and, and, and keep the employees and the property itself. And it makes you a better entrepreneur. And of course, it makes you some pretty crazy stories. Here's a clip from Garrett's wild experience. It's like the wild west out there. Life in the south side and west side is very cheap. You can get killed over a lawnmower, taking a lawnmower, you, you, like things like that. It's just a weird place to be for that reason. You're like, man, I can't even imagine like losing my life over over something silly, that silly. And that's what exists down there. So going along the, that kind of path, I'm going to tell you about a time where I was forced to do something to save my property and to save my, my property manager. And I alluded to this property before. There were a lot of stories that happened around this specific property. It's a 50 unit on the south side called we called it Amityville. And it was the, the property that had just full of drug dealers, prostitutes, and pimps, basically is what it was. So this building was just a, a nightmare to own. And I remember one time there was this maintenance guy that we hired and he wasn't doing his job well. He was taking off too much. So we fired him. And on the way out, he stole a bunch of stuff and then he, he stole our lawnmower. So you know, I was trying to, I was trying to be the tough landlord at the time. And I called him up and I'm like, Hey, you return that lawnmower right now. Or we have an issue. You know, that's what I said to him. I'm like, you, you need to return that. I know you took it. You need to return it. I didn't, I didn't I'm like, I know you did it better be there in tomorrow. Better be back tomorrow. Or we have an issue. I hung up the phone. So the next day there was a bunch of people later towards, towards the afternoon on the, the street corner. I got a call from my property manager who was working in the office there. And she goes, Hey, there's guys here. I don't recognize. It's like, I'm, I'm from around here. I know these guys don't, don't belong here. I don't know where they came from, but they don't look like they're with anyone I know around here. And this was like a GD block. So this is a gangster's disciples block that we were on. And these guys were some from, from some other rival gang that didn't belong. So she was nervous. So she's like, I'm going to call my boyfriend. He's a security officer. He's going to come. He's got a gun. He's, he can carry. He's going to take me out of here tonight. But, but I'm just letting you know, these guys shouldn't be here. I'm like, okay, well, call me and make sure. So sure enough, her boyfriend comes, takes her out. And as she was leaving, she's pregnant actually at the time. She's like, like seven months pregnant. It's probably a really tough, tough lady, awesome manager, but you know, she, she worked really well for us. So this guy comes out and you know, her boyfriend takes her out of the building as, as they're doing it. She can see those guys get closer to her, but then they kind of back off when they see this guy's gun. So she calls me in a panic 
at like 7 p.m. And it's like, hey, those guys came up to me. They saw who I was with and they did end up backing off. But I think we got a big problem. I don't know what this is. I don't know if I had to deal with the maintenance guy we fired or whatever, but this could be an issue. I'm like, okay, it could be. So let's just see if they're back tomorrow. So she goes to work and those same guys are back. So I'm not really sure what to do. So I actually drive down there and I see these guys hanging out and they're, they're mean looking. So, I, so I'm, I'm like, you know, worried. So I'm like, Hey, listen. So there was one guy I knew that lived in the building and it's like, Hey man, I don't know if you know these guys. And he's like, I think he's like, I know, I know who you roll with, you know? And he, he ran with the GDs at the time. I'm like, here's some money for protection. I need you to bring some, some guys over here to hang out. And watch, watch this, this, my manager over here is not feeling safe and I need you to protect this, this building. So he did that. He brought, he brought his guys over. So I basically paid the member of this gang to bring other gang members over to keep our building protected because I didn't really know what else to do. This was like street stuff, man. Like I, I was like, all right, this, this makes sense business-wise to keep this thing, keep her safe keep things running. Let's see if I can get some protection over here. You're not calling cops to come do this stuff. That's they're not, they don't care about that. They have too many other things going on that actually require their attention and they're spread thin. You can't just like have cops come help you like that as easily. So I went to the gang. I got help from the gang and that, that was it for, for a minute. So these guys kind of waned off, but then the next day they came back with even more people and this started to get really scary and dangerous. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I don't want to like induce a gang war over here. This, that would be too much. So what am I going to do? Okay. Well, let me call this guy up. Maybe it has something to do with the maintenance guy. Let's see what he has to say. So I call him up and I go, Hey man, listen, I don't know what you're doing over here. If you're trying to plot some kind of violence towards my manager or what, or what's going on, but we got to stop this. This is getting too out of hand. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, it's like that bitch. She's the one that told on me. I know she ratted me out. Like all this, like starts going nuts. And I knew it was him right away. I'm like, okay, it's him. So I call him down. I'm like, hey, listen, buddy, here's what's going to happen. You're going to just forget about this whole thing. Take the lawnmower. I don't care about any of this stuff. I'm not coming after you. She didn't rat you out. I had someone do an inspection on the place and, and we found it. She had nothing to do with it. So we got to stop this whole thing right now. I'm going to take my guys back. You take your guys back and let's just... Let's just end it before someone gets hurt. So we calmed down. We hung up. Next day, those guys were gone. I had to pay my guy one more time just to, just for his help and on with our life. But it was, it was escalating because I made one phone call about a stolen lawnmower. In any normal situation, except for where we were, that person might have been scared, might have returned it, something like that. Because of, we were there and life is so cheap became a very dangerous, potentially lethal situation over a lawnmower. So that was a lesson to me. But I, looking back at it, I'm like, man, I can't believe I had to go to those lengths to kind of keep things safe. And, you know, there, there's a code down there and you have to kind of follow it and be able to be willing to, to do what it takes. And so that, that was just a really kind of scary situation that we were in. We do love having Garrett on the Nighthawk team. Uh, the three partners, Drew Niffin and I, really enjoy doing business together and finding good deals and finding good opportunities for you as passive investors. If you are interested in passively investing with us in a syndication, check us out at nighthawkequity.com and just schedule a call with us. Click the join button, fill out a short form, and then let's have a conversation about some of our upcoming opportunities.
And so there you have it, the highlights of 2022 on the podcast. And, you know, here's the thing, we wouldn't be here creating this awesome content without you. I really appreciate the reviews you leave on iTunes. We read those a lot. We'll shout them up. We also get ideas for guests and things of that nature. So, you know, we're looking forward to 2023. It's going to be another great year of new guests, high value content, and more success stories to help you become financial free with real estate. Now, we are committed to helping a thousand families reach financial freedom, and this podcast is part of that process. So again, don't forget to share our show, subscribe if you're not already, and tell your friends about the show if they want to become financial free with real estate. And of course, give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.